what the Buddha uh, saw is that we suffer because we distort reality. So the reason for our struggle, the reason for our stress, the reason why life seems to be so difficult for us is, according to the Buddhist, uh, to the Buddha's uh, discovery, is uh, because we are not in touch with reality. We distort reality in very specific ways. And um, what I want want to talk about uh, tonight and explore in our meditation um, is uh, these four ways how we distort reality and also what we can do about it. So one one thing is to 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 see, wow, this is what I do. I pro- project on onto things and onto myself a status which is not there, and that makes me suffer. And so what can I do about it? What can I do about that confusion, that basic confusion? What the Buddha pointed to in the second noble truth when he said, there's a cause for suffering. And... uh, Sometimes this cause for suffering is called ignorance. So ignorance is that distortion. It's like we are confused, we are out of touch, we are in a kind of horror trip, which is uh, a function of the conceptual mind. We, we project meaning and separateness and uh, disconnection. Uh, into into this moment. And in meditation we look deeply just with the question of how does this moment really exist? Well, that's what, what is called a vipassana or vipassana, or the insight into reality, which is the key to freedom, which is the key to oneness, which is the key to peace. So before I start to talk more, and that can happen easily at this point, uh, let's uh, sit quietly um, yeah, to, to just first to leave, uh, to leave the busyness of the day and to check in what you bring with you. So if you like, you can close your eyes if that supports you to get more in contact with your own energy. And then you started to notice how it is for you to be here and what's happening for you. And notice here does not mean that you start to think about it, uh, but that you allow your awareness to drop into the body, into the trunk of your body. Maybe supported by the in-breath. So as if you slide on the in-breath into the body. you notice your own energy, the mood you're in. Without running away, without distracting yourself. Very straightforward and very simple. with the in-breath, sliding, dropping into the body. How's your the solar plexus? Shifting from the head into the body. 
shifting from doing to being here. And then with the out breath, you relax the controlling, you relax the judging, you relax the fixing. Letting this moment be, just as it is. And when you shift like this and connect with your own energy, you might find some discomfort. You, you might might feel, oh, I, I want to feel better than this. So what we explore here is if we relax that, if we relax the need to feel better. And instead we slide into a yes. Yes, this is how it is. This is how I feel. This is how tired I am. This how how peaceful I am. So no matter what it is. With the out breath we, we give space. And of course, thoughts continue to arise, and that's fine. They are very welcome to do their thing. Just you can't control the air condition, the same way you can't control your thoughts. So just let them do their thing, but take them less important. Just let them come and go. And then with the out-breath, softening the belly, solar plexus, shoulders, there's nothing to do for you. Let yourself be carried by the floor and by the chair. Give yourself the permission to do nothing. Then when you notice that you get entangled and fused with the stream of thinking, with the commentary, sometimes it's quite easy to let the bubble burst, like a soap bubble, or dropping back into life as it is just now. It's a bit that you lose the interest in the stream of thinking because you start to see that there's no food there. 
there's no peace there. It's not getting you to freedom or to love or so you let you lose interest. You become curious about life, about the stillness in this moment, about the softness in your heart. Returning, returning, and then resting. And then, if it makes sense for you and it feels good, we call upon the presence of the Buddha and the Karmapa and the Dalai Lama. And it is as if the morning sun is rising after a cold night. So you relax and soften into the warmth with your whole body from the toes to the top of your head. You relax into the warmth of the morning sun, which is the sun of bodhicitta, the awakened heart, the compassionate presence of the Dalai Lama, the Karmapa, the Buddha. And you just bathe in that. Every cell of your body is softening, opening. And again, if you get caught, you drop back. And then you open. You open into the loving gaze, the earthy presence. And allow this presence, this warmth, this compassionate gaze also penetrate there where's darkness in you and fear pain softening and opening relaxing into big love. And then the Buddha, the Dalai Lama, the Kamapa, they dissolve into that light, into that space. Fills your body completely. A moment of union oneness with Buddha mind, which is your true nature. With a heart like the sky. this openness let's appreciate that within your experience right now there's nothing solid nothing concrete I'll just check up for a few moments how everything is changing moving flowing how everything is vibration, how everything is energy, 
even that which superficially seems to be quite stable, if you look closer, you start to see that it is more like a rainbow. The breath is flowing, other sensations in your body, sounds, thoughts. Can you appreciate that constant move, that constant movement? Or even if we still would believe in atoms, we would know that they are energy, they are moving all the time. Get a sense of that. Maybe first a bit on a conceptual level and bringing your understanding of physics into this moment that there is actually nothing that even matter or the, the, the kind of solid feeling you have from the chair or from the ground. It's not like that. It's not solid. There's nothing solid here. Nothing. Moment by moment. start to get a taste of that. How, how does that feel? According to the discovery of the Buddha, we suffer because of ignorance. We suffer because of this distortion. And it's, it's something we do. It's, like it, it's something active. You know? So we do. We, we distort things out of habit. Because we have been distorting reality since beginningless time, according to the Buddhist teachings. It's just a habit. So that's the uh, kind of the root, the root cause of suffering. The, the immediate cause of suffering, so that what comes from this root distortion is aversion and attraction. And that's something you need to check. So nothing of what I'm saying here is to be, it's like a dogma or is to be believed. It's more, I should actually more talk in terms of question rather than saying this is like it is. Yeah? So it's more, it's more, so whatever I say, it's more an invitation for you to, uh, to look yourself. So... If we can relax grasping and rejecting, if we can relax that, we will suffer less, we will struggle less. 
And this is something you can really easily check in your own experience. Now, let's say an, exam, ex, an example is there would be, now we have some noise here. I mean, the, let's imagine the air condition would be a bit louder. Yeah? So, so that it would really disturb you and you would tense and it would stress you and you would make up a story of how can they rent a room in a place where the air condition is so loud or something like this. So the conceptual mind has then the tendency to increase your contraction and your complaints and your poor me and I mean all kinds of stuff can bleed into it. So let's then imagine we would do a weekend retreat here with this noise. And you would sit here two hours, three hours. You can't hardly stand it. yeah. But since you have the commitment to sit here and a bit of group pressure, so you sit and you suffer and you struggle. And then suddenly you think, or suddenly it happens that you feel Hey, wait a moment. It's me. I'm doing this. What would happen if I would open to it? If I would relax into it? What would happen if I stopped to complain? What would happen if I would start to listen and think, wow, I can hear. This is, this is a mystery, and I'm going to, and I'm going to miss it, when I'm going to lose it, which will be quite soon. Wow, I really appreciate that. I, so, then, ah, uh, suddenly the air condition ceases to be a problem. And it could be even turning into the opposite. It could become even a blissful energy filling your body. And how, how does that work? Yeah. It works through relaxing your aversion. So these are uh, Relaxing your ignorance, looking through your confusion, then leads to a relaxing of aversion and attraction. And that leads into, in the end, into freedom. And the first, and quite easy to, uh, to see, the first the first, um, super easy to understand intellectually, the first distortion. I mean, it's so obvious intellectually. Uh, so there is a big difference it, it, to, to understand these things intellectually, which is quite, I mean, the, 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 the um, this is number three there. So number three and four, they are quite difficult, or they are a bit more difficult to understand. But particularly the first one is so obvious. I mean, we learn it in physics. It's part of our education. But it's a big difference to understand it intellectually and actually see it. And that's what we need to do. And the only way how to see it, how to experience it, is through meditation, through Vipassana meditation. So we project, uh, we project permanent, uh, a permanent status on things. And with, with things, I mean everything, inside experience and out, so-called outside experience. And that makes us struggle. We push when we don't like it, and we, we want to keep it when, when we like it. So when we start to see impermanence, then 
meaning when we start to see how things really exist, then we start to, you know, the, the pushing and the grasping start to relax because there is nothing to push against. There's nothing to hold there. Yeah? So the pushing and grasping kind of relaxes because, I mean, you're not to, like, let's say you would dislike a rainbow. Yeah? I mean, you're not going to, you know, get your tools out and try to fight the rainbow or push against the rainbow. Or are you also not running after the rainbow, trying to hold it and trying to, you know, uh, because you see, it's, there's hardly anything there. There's nothing to push against to and there's nothing to hold to. You can enjoy the display, yeah, and you know, and then if it's, if it's gone, there's not, uh, uh, you, you, you enjoy the beauty, but if it's gone, you're not like freaking out and, and think, oh, the, now I... Uh, now I lost this precious rainbow or something because you know this is what a rainbow is and everything is like a rainbow you just have to look no uh, one one thing uh, to to check that is um, <coughs> no a crisis you had three months ago like a really difficult day see now from this perspective from today, you realize, yeah, it was a pretty bad day, but you know, I completely exaggerated it. It's gone, like a dream. Unless, of course, you are someone solidifying, solidifying it again and again through stories. Yeah? Same is true with the feelings you have today. Maybe you feel a bit uh, nervous today, or you feel sad, or you have something on your plate which seems to be kind of you know, too much. It's pushing you a bit to your edge. Who cares tomorrow? Who, who cares in one year? It's gone. So the recognition, the experience of, of impermanence makes you more easygoing with the good things in life and with the difficult things in life. How do you see that? You shut up, you sit down, and you look into your experience. For example, Anxiety. So you experience anxiety or some pain in your body, some tension in your body. You shut up, you sit down, and you look at it. And you see that it is changing, that it is energy, that there's nothing solid, nothing real there. And that does not mean that you are free. You, you are not going to become a Buddha through the realization of impermanence. It's not deep enough. But uh, it gives you some space. It gives you relief. It gives you a bit of a humor, you know, like a kind of gentle smile about how serious we, we, we take ourselves and the things which are happening in our life, the dramas we create. So you become more easygoing. That, that does not mean that you become indifferent. Not at all. You still can completely enjoy the rainbow, even if you know it's impermanent. Maybe you enjoy it even more because you, 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 you appreciate the display. You appreciate that there is something. So that's uh, an important insight. It's very easy to understand, understand that intellectually. If we would go in quantum physics, then it would be even more, kind of more rainbow-likely or everything. Uh, but it, it's, it, it, it takes time to actually 
see it and accept it. That it is like that. That it is not like a, 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 a theory, but that it is like that. So this too shall pass is one of these this, uh, this sentences, these pointers coming from this experience which can help, really help you through the most darkest night in your life. This should, this, one thing is sure. One thing is sure. It's, it will pass. It's going to pass. It might get worse for a while, but it's going to change. It's going to pass. And also, if you have a wonderful time, you know, you're a bit, a bit more kind of, you're not so hysterical about it. So that also means you don't need to run after good experience like a, you know, like a lun lunatic. You know, needing to, needing to have just the right conditions, just the right temperature, just the right sounds, just the right taste, just the right, and, and there's so much uh, despair behind that kind of uh, grasping. So also there, this will be a bit more relaxed. I mean, you will still en enjoy your morning coffee. It's the most important thing in, the, in, in one's life to have a good morning coffee, yeah? but <laughs> it's not a drama if you don't have a good morning coffee. And instead, no, just an instant coffee or just some hot water. It's not a big deal. So that's the first. The second uh, distortion is, I wrote here, seeing happiness where it is not. So here, what, what is meant with happiness here is genuine happiness. So genuine happiness in the Buddhist, uh, in the Buddhist discovery is happiness which is not depending on things going well. Yeah? That's genuine happiness. A kind of lasting happiness which comes from inside. That's genuine happiness. Genuine happiness is fulfillment, is contentment. You know, it's something inside. We all have it. We all have that capacity of genuine happiness. And uh, the, the Buddhist path or other spiritual path, they, they are paths of discovering that, that true refuge, which is something nothing and nobody can take away from you. No matter what happens, it's undistractable. It's not affected by bad weather. Yeah? Temporary happiness, fleeting happiness, that is dependent on good weather. Yeah? Good weather, ah, I'm so happy. Bad weather, oh, I'm so sad. Good weather, bad weather, good weather, bad weather. <laughs> Forever. It's called samsara. So, seeing genuine happiness where it is not. So, where do we look for happiness in our life? If we check our life, where our energy goes, what we, how we spend our time, where our worries are, they're about temporary happiness. That's what we care about. That's what our whole society is about, temporary happiness. Having things, having nice experiences, being healthy, having a good job, being in a good relationship. And we are, we are told by our society and in school and by our parents that this is the purpose of our life, that kind of after kindergarten, when I go to school, then I will be really happy. When I'm finished with school and I can study what I really like, then I will be really happy. When I find the right partner and then I have children, then I will be really happy. And then when I go the steps in my career, then I will be really happy. And then when I move to Stockholm, then I will be really happy. I mean, who wants to live in Malmö? So, I don't know if Malmö is popular. 
I don't know. I have no idea if, if Malmo is the popular in Sweden. Uh, but you can know, you can, you can, you can recognize probably how you how we are always fooled by that. So we are looking for this. Ah, now I now I have everything together. Freeze! You know, now I have everything together. You know, this is one good day where everything is under control. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. And of course, we, we enjoy uh, good things in our life, of course. That's, that's not the point. It's just that we are trying to squeeze something out of experiences where we don't get what we are really looking for. And it could happen that we spend our life just like that. Just like that. That's kind of, that's the purpose of life for many people. That's what they, and then with 50 they might have a crisis and feeling kind of, wow, I, I did the whole stunt, I was this good boy, and this is it. Yeah, I have a car, I have a house, I have two children, I have, I mean, if it's going well. But even if it's going well, you feel it's like, it's empty. It didn't give you happiness. I mean, genuine happiness. So, what to do about that? Yeah, yeah recognizing it, yeah. Uh, recognizing it in our own experience and starting to have experiences within one's practice, within one's meditation practice of uh, at least of a taste, of a taste of that possibility of genuine contentment. And when you, uh, when you uh, meditate and you uh, I mean, you, 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 you are, if you have a regular practice, after some time, what you probably start to experience is that you are more that you are more relaxed with. You know, you are not so much under pressure to, or you don't expect it not so much anymore to find happiness in things going well. Instead, you focus more on genuine happiness. On the happiness coming from kindness. On the happiness coming from a more stable mind. On the happiness coming from wisdom. On the happiness of coming from surrender and devotion. On the happiness coming from genuine love. Not from romantic, grasping love, but from genuine love. So you start to appreciate these things more, and they, they, become, more, they become more the center of your life. They become more the direction in your life. So now we go into the third, into the third distortion. which is for those who, of you who have uh, received Buddhist teachings or other teachings, uh, already a very familiar idea. We, just be, we need to be reminded of this again and again. And if you have not heard this kind of teachings, then it might be a bit strange in the beginning. So, the third distortion is that we imagine that we make up a sense of a solid, separate I, a solid, separate me, what I sometimes call the mini-me, 
and we identify with it. We believe that this is who I am. A separate, solid, independent I, which exists independent and disconnected and separate from everything else. And which is scared to death. And which feels disconnected and alone and confused. Anxious. Which, which all the time tries to protect itself. Oh, look. Oh, what is he thinking? What does he look? Why does he look like this? Oh, am I like, am I better? Am I, le am I less? Uh, oh, what is, what is with me? Yeah, what is with me? Oh, God. You know, do, do I have a seat tonight? Yeah? It's like, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to push a bit forward so that I can get the best seat. Or, you know, oh, there is maybe not enough coffee. Yeah? This is like this constant, what about me? What about me? And am I good enough? Uh, is, am I threatened? Uh, do I have enough money? Yeah. So I, 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 me, me, me. What about me? Uh, and what you discover, and again, you need to look into your experience, is that this solid, separate I, independent, which is independent from body and mind, it is something extra. Yeah. It's something extra. It's the one who has your body. It's the one who has your feelings. It's the, it's, it's the I which has a personality. No? It's the I which is able to say, oh, I wish I would have a more healthy and younger body. Oh, I wish I could change my mind. That I. That I does not exist. That I is made up. And it's quite easy to see. The problem is that that made up I will put up a big fight. It will, it will kind of then say, yeah, yeah, but it's me, it's I, of course, it's my, it's I have, you know, it's my thoughts, it's my feelings, it's my, it's my children. Yeah. So the, this, this I, which is a hallucination, will, will put up a big fight. It, it will. Uh, it will throw confusion and. But if you are insistent and you look into this body-mind process, it's a process, body-mind process. And this process is not a closed process, it's an open process. So it's like the weather. Yeah? So the weather is a process, independent, embedded into this whole system. It just has not the capacity to say I, the weather. Otherwise, it would be <laughs> the weather would have problems. Yeah, it's, it would start. It, it, it would start to have problems. The weather. It would think, oh, yesterday I was much more beautiful than today. <laughs> or, you know, then it would then it would maybe, maybe separate into two kinds of weather: the weather in Africa and the weather in Europe. Of course, it's one big process, but if the weather would be able to create this sense of I, then the weather in Europe would compare itself with the weather in Africa and would feel a bit, 
you know, a bit low, a bit like, wow, I'm so dark and depressed. And, and there the weather is so full of sunshine. <laughs> And that's what we do. We are the waves in the ocean. There's a wave, 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 and here's a wave. Who somehow developed that capacity, that conceptual capacity, is our conceptual mind. You know, we need our conceptual mind for that. So we are waves who are, at one point in our evolution, we're able to say, I, and then we believed in it, and we identified with it. So the, the force is very uh, much connected with this fifth, yeah? So there is the, the, the made-up I, the made-up me, and then from, from there comes uh, the projection of an independent objective world out there which exists out of discrete objects which have certain qualities from their side. And these discrete objects out there, independent from our projections, they wait out there independently for being discovered by us. As if there is an objective world out there waiting for us to be discovered, waiting for us to be seen. With, for example, a quality like beauty. So, there is an independent world out there, that's how it appears, with discrete objects disconnected from each other, as you no, know, as if we kind of we 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 cut a interconnected process, an open process into these pieces, as if we have like a crayon, yeah, like this, and we make like a dark a, a black line around John. Leif, <laughs> uh, and and then <clears throat> and, and that's what we do, and then the, depending, I mean, if John was nice for me, then I like him. If Leif criticized me, I dislike him. Yeah, and then I I get attached to John and I reject Leif. And it appears, from, it appears to me as if John is a nice man and Leif is not so nice. And everyone should agree, isn't it? They are like that. <laughs> and that's not how it is. That's, that's not how it, how, how it is at all. And again, here we could also actually bring our religion into, and that's science, physics, who discovered this 100 years ago. It just has, has not reached our experience. They, they didn't give us the tool to actually experience this fact that there is no objective world out there independent from an observer, independent from consciousness. It's made up. It's a projection. So it's not like this. No, it's like this. So I do like this, and then it comes like this, but then I forget that I do like this. Yeah. So I do like this, and then it comes like this. You can't see it. <laughs> so... And then it appears, oh, it, one, exa one uh, kind of metaphor for the, this is, you, know, you throw a bumerang into the universe, you know, and then you turn around, and, 
and you forget that you throw the uh, bumerang, and then you're hit. Yeah. And then you then you say, who threw the bumerang? Yeah. So you blame. You blame other people for the projection you put upon them. It's amazing. So this uh, this split, the split of the independent, separate I and the independent objective world out there, the, it's called the dualistic split, that's the dualistic mind. That's particularly according to the Mahayana tradition. That's the root cause of suffering. So, uh, this is something, this is like the, the investigation of the, what is called the Vipassana practice in Tibetan Buddhism. It's, it's, it's to, to, to investigate into that and to see directly that that is, that, 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 is that, that, that this moment does not exist in the way it appears to us. This moment does not exist in the way it appears to us. How does it appear to us? Dualistic. I, objective world out there. And it seems to be absurd to start to question that. It seems to be absurd. Because this is how our society runs, this is how we run our life. This is inst in every moment, like you know, every moment there's I other, I other, I other, I other, I other. And, and it's like, uh, it seems to be crazy. You know, this is more crazy than you know, in the movie Matrix when, you know, when you know, Neo started to doubt you know, the, the so-called uh, real world out there. This is more crazy. Because there, they, there was a, a real world behind. Yeah? Here, we discover there is no real world behind. There is only the made-up world. That's all what there is. It's not that we wake up and then we find, ah, finally I realize what the real world is. No. We wake up and we realize, oh, there is no real world. It's made up. It's made up. It still is functioning. Yeah. So this does not mean that things don't exist. Things exist. No, this moment exists, but it does not exist in the way it appears to us. And because we believe that it exists in the way it appears to us, we suffer. 